Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Today on The Bruce Collins Show, Trey Smith, the author of Thieves, the man who stole televangelist Mike Murdoch's safe, joins us, as well as Lynn Marzulli, UFO researcher, and the man behind the Watchers DVD series. That's this week on The Bruce Collins Show. Theater of the Mind. The Bruce Collins Show. With the Baron of Broadcasting. Clown Prince of Doom, Bruce Collins. The Bruce Collins Show, daring to take radio past the point of no return. Welcome back to the Bruce Collins Show. As promised today, we have Trey Smith. Now, many of you in the Nashua area, since we've returned with the Bruce Collins Show, you may not know the name Trey Smith. And so we're going to talk about what he, what has gone on in his life and what that has produced today. And Tr- Trey Smith joins us today. Trey, welcome to the program. Why don't you give out your website addresses for people if they want to check on this while they're listening to the program today? Bruce, uh, the one that I would want to tell everybody about, and it's got information uh, about Thieves, which is the uh, uh, safe robbery of Mike Murdoch, as well as the God in a Nutshell materials, is just simply godinanutshell.com, exactly how it stands, what it sounds. Or you can just type into your Google browser, whatever browser you're using, God in a Nutshell, and, uh, and lots of stuff about it should come up. Great. So gotinanutshell.com. And Trey, I know you're you're branching out now, you're you're moving into new directions, but I want to take a step back and talk about your past, uh specifically the uh actions and the adventure really chronicled in the book Thieves, your book. And uh first of all, sort of as a background, I'm sure a lot of people have heard this name before, but there may be some in Nashua who are not familiar with Mike Murdoch. Who is Mike Murdoch? He's a television pastor. He's one of the, well, he's one of the elites in television ministry. He is, uh, so this is a, uh, 
10 to $20 million a year ministry. He's a fundraising partner of Benny Hinn. So that's the level of ministry that, that, that this is. Okay. He's a television pastor. Yes. You know, one thing that strikes me as, as interesting is the, the business relationships that come out of these uh, televangelists, such as there seems to be a partnership between Mike Murdoch and Benny Hinn. Um, but your experiences with Mike Murdoch, or maybe perhaps he didn't know Benny Hinn at that point, these people don't really uh, hang out with each other, as it were. It's really a business relationship, isn't it? It's very well. It's very much a business relationship. Let me, uh, in 1999, what Thieves is uh, is it's the true my true life story. In 1999, I committed a safe robbery on the television pastor Mike Murdoch, a friend of Benny Hinn. I ran to Mexico following the safe robbery, and uh, so as you can imagine, this is. Uh, story that if, you know, if for no other reason needed to be told. But it does, you know, as the title indicates, one dirty TV pastor, the man who robbed him, it does, it does have no shortage of uh, uh, their issues there. And with, uh, I mean, things that, you know, people respond and they say, well, can this really be true? Do the TV pastors really, you know, they surely this can't, yes, 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 it is the way that it is. I mean, these are empires, Bruce. When you're dealing with Benny Hinn or you're dealing with uh, Mike Murdoch uh, or a lot of these big-name guys, uh, my experience with... I mean, this is a mansion-style estate that this safe came out of. And uh, uh, I was heavily involved with Mike. I knew him closely and personally because I grew up with his son. We were... uh, He's an only child, Jason, Mike's son, and I an only child, so we were like brothers as kids, and uh, we crawled all over that mansion, and um, uh, um, so that, you know, that's that's my life story, and that's what Thieves is. Uh, so it's a story that's taken uh, quite a bit of notice in Texas, and, uh, and I'm glad that, you know, people enjoy it. Uh, I, I want to Please. ask you a couple things I've never asked you before. If you Go could, ahead. if you could come up with one major theme to Mike Murdoch and what you learned from it, it can be positive or negative. What what did you learn from or about Mike Murdoch? That there really is, that there really is a God out there, and that the pursuit of dollar bills, the pursuit of dollar bills ends very, very hopelessly. Mm-hmm. A lot of people, even myself as a kid, looked at Mike and Benny and some of these other guys, and they view this as success mm-hmm. uh, because there's limos and jet planes and mansions and all of this. I can tell you at the heart of it, a part of the book that people often ask me, they say, does he really scream? Does he really go out by the pool and uh, and scream in the middle of the night or after he's, you know, had sex with a girl leaving in a, in a Corvette? And uh, the answer to that question is yes. And, uh, and I don't know why he does it, but the feeling that I got the first time I had witnessed, and he does this, mind you, at points that he believes he's absolutely alone. He thinks that he's by himself. And the first time I had witnessed him doing the, the screaming thing with, uh, with Jason, uh, there's just an utter feeling of, of hopelessness. Here you are at the pinnacles, man, the top, you know, the top of the top, the highest that it gets, the places that the kids at Christ for the Nations and all of these, you know, they're aspiring to get there to this le- level of limos and jets. And uh, at the top of the top, the guy that's standing there when he thinks he's by himself, uh, he's screaming, Bruce, literally into the night air. And so, uh, yeah, there's a feeling, uh, you know, um, it's, you know, it's dark, uh, it's off, and, um, and that's, you know, some of what people are getting when they, when they read these, uh, you know, a peek into places that most people will never see. Mm-hmm. And, um, so you, your question was, what, if anything, do you come away from Mike Murdoch with? Uh, or perhaps Benny Hinn or Dollar, any of these other names. And that is that uh, 
if the life mission becomes how do I manipulate, how do I connive, how do I, uh, how, you know, damn it, how do I get a bunch of dollar bills mm-hmm. at other people's expense, um, uh, it ends in a pretty hopeless place. Yeah. And the thing that I learned through uh, what you read in Thieves and what a lot of people come away from Thieves with is that, uh, you know, in all of this brokenness, uh, and actually witnessing it graphically and walking through it, it does beg the question, is there a God? You know, is there, is there, you know, is there something? Is this all a fraud? Is it all a fake? Is it all a, a meaningless mess? And um, the answer that I've come to is that uh, you, you can't put your faith in the men. Uh, you can't be even disheartened by the flaws that you see in them. Uh, because God has nothing to do with the actions of the guy next to you, the Mike Murdochs, the Benny Hens, the Gruffalo Dollars. Um, in my opinion, he's not in support of any of those fellows that I just listed off. Hmm. I hope I answered that. Definitely. You know, I, I've had experiences trying to do different businesses. I tried to be a professional wrestling promoter back in the 90s and had some bad yeah. experiences with some dishonest people. But looking back, I... I I don't know that I regret it because a lot of other things happened out of that that were positive. Do you wish you had never met Mike Murdoch? No, I don't. In fact, um, what I'm what I'm learning the most, even in the process of doing this this book, Thieves, mm-hmm. uh, is how bad you know how to take my own bad judgments and decisions. And uh, and use them. So no, living through that stuff, I don't regret any of it. So if there's anything positive that comes out of Mike Murdoch, for me at least, uh, it's the lessons of what never to do mm-hmm. in life, what never to pursue, and uh, and actually applying those. And I've learned little lessons in that, even in doing, uh, you know, thieves is the first thing that I've done that really has taken any notice. Uh, and uh, and here I am six months into it, and I look back at some of the early things that, that I tried and marketing the book and all that, uh, and I really sucked at it. Mm-hmm. And six months from now, I'll probably look at what I'm doing today and say, you know what, that really sucks. And I think that realizing that and looking at, uh, uh, you know, small things and trying to make our lives a little bit better in what we do, whether it's promoting something or our jobs or our day-to-day life uh, is the most powerful thing you can come away with. It's not how many times you get something to work, but realizing uh, when you're doing something that's, uh, uh, you know, that's stupid and doesn't work and how to fix that and uh, being humble enough to, uh, to laugh at yourself, laugh at your own stupidity and, uh, uh, and try and do something better. Here's another thing. Your question you just asked me a minute ago, Bruce, what is it you came away from Mike Murdoch with? Mm-hmm. Here's the fundamental problem of seed faith, prosperity gospel, a lot of these guys you see on TV, uh, and why I feel like there's that hopelessness there. And the one thing that I strive for that's very important to me, when I'm in any kind of relationship with somebody else, whether it's a business relationship, whether I'm talking to somebody about my book, the one question I ask myself is, do I benefit them in return? And how do I benefit them more than they benefit me? And so what I have found is that even if I make mistakes or whatever, if I'm striving for that to be real, that I genuinely care about that other person, that I genuinely care about what I'm giving to them, uh, what I'm telling them, and I'm sincere in that, uh, that things go well. And it's when the ideas become all selfish, like many of these ministries have. Some of these ministries, uh, Bruce, give back less than 1%. They, uh, take, you know, they, they uh, are soliciting with a short list of Bible scriptures that they've put together, right, that all deal with tithing and this kind of thing. And they solicit to folks that really have nothing. I mean, you've got people uh, that are sacrificing basic needs, mm-hmm. Bruce, uh, and occasional luxuries to finance jet planes and mansions. 
So when it becomes all about self-will and how do I take as much as I can, how do I really push other people to give to me, and how can I work this out in some legal fashion where I can give as little back as possible, there's not enough jet planes in the world, Bruce, that's ever going to not leave you screaming poolside when you're doing that. Mm-hmm. Right. There's not enough money that is going to satisfy you. And that, I mean, that's just me. That's just my opinion. I could be wrong. But, uh, so if there's anything to learn from Mike Murdoch, it's that, what not to do. You and I have talked off microphone a little bit, and uh, my grandfather was a pastor, and early on there were a lot of things in his life that he wasn't doing that were right. But uh, he did mature, I'd like to say he matured spiritually, but uh, by the time he got to be my grandfather, a lot of the things that he was doing early on, he wasn't doing anymore. Uh, praise the Lord. But, uh, you know, a, a lot of people in a church setting will take a pastor and say a pastor does something wrong. They'll generally defend that person to no end. But if it's uh, Joe Smith sitting in the back corner of the church, they find out there's some type of sin with them. That person may as well leave the church. They've been ostracized. That's not always the case, but unfortunately, sadly, that is the case sometimes. How was the reaction of your book? Because I I generally get the sense sometimes that there are Christians who would say, Mike Murdoch can do no wrong. Who's Trey Smith, this guy that's accusing, you know, Pastor Mike Murdoch of all these indiscretions? What What has been the reaction overall to this book, Thieves? Bruce, there's some stuff I don't even talk about because when I say it, people don't. Uh, uh, it. People have trouble believing it. Yeah. But uh, the nice thing is, here in the last couple of months, is there's been more exposure to the book. Um, you do kind of see the true colors of some of the folks because they'll put up postings that say uh, that I'm Satan, for example, or I'm the. De- I mean, they get uh, they get really extreme about it. I mean, they. Uh, you know, there are folks out there that these guys are their, their heroes. And, uh, uh, so they, you know, uh, they'll, they'll write absurd things. But even when, uh, I first began Thieves, it's a little different than an ordinary book. Um, these are powerful guys. And, uh, you know, I've moved a number of times. I can't attribute you know, every little bad thing that, uh, that happens to a TV pastor, but there certainly have been, have been incidents that, uh, uh, are questionable. For example, uh, you know, the, uh, uh, where I was living last, I, uh, uh, I actually moved because we were having an issue with uh, a guy that was parking down the road and, and taking pictures. Now, I, you know, is that affiliated with a TV pastor? I don't know. Hmm. Um, but I know that there are concerns there and, um, I am talking about, uh, you know, private issues that they really don't want talked about, right. and there's side effects to that. Um, and I'm talking about the most dangerous thing, too, which is how they make their income right. uh, in some of my videos. Now, Thieves is just a true story. You know, I, mm-hmm. I was a stupid kid, Bruce. I committed a safe rob. I, I completely, I mean, my stupidity is your thrill ride in the book Thieves. I uh, committed a safe robbery, uh, ran to Mexico, I got a TV pastor doing his own list of things, so this is sheer absolute madness for 340, well, how could it let up? It's a book about a safe robbery of a TV pastor. Um, but at this point, uh, grown up a little, and going through some of the reasons that I felt compelled to make this grand list of stupid decisions that you read in these. Um, the reasons were real. My, re- my reactions, what I did was wrong. Uh, but the reasons really are real and genuine and passionate. And that is that, uh, uh, you see devastated people on one side of the fence, uh, that are getting taken. And in my opinion, it's, del- you know, in the cases of, you know, Mike Murdoch, uh, probably others, this is actually deliberate, Mm -hmm. Uh, and they're actually, you know, in Mike Murdoch's case, you know, I was pretty close with him, a lot of the things that you read in Thieves are just a sample of the kind of, you know, interactions, you know, that this is cute, this is fun, you know, taking other people, 
becomes not just a common practice to make money off of, but something to be proud of. You know, I took that person for this or this person for that, you know, and it's not even, you know, if you take somebody for five grand or 10 grand, that's not even worth talking about, you know, I mean, but uh, if it was 80,000 and you got everything they got, you know, and they've got nothing now, well, that's, you know, that, you know, that's something to amongst your private group state is a, uh, you know, a feather in your cap. And, uh, yeah, man, Bruce, when you're dealing with that, and that becomes the reality, not a conspiracy thing. I mean, this is just real life, yeah. real day-to-day life. You know, taking people is a good thing. Right. Uh, yeah, it becomes an empty mess. Yeah, it sort of reminds me of Amway because you have these faithful people who you need to give you income. And so what you're really doing is you're selling a promise. Uh, in this case, it's prosperity, I suppose. And I'm not making a commentary on Amway today, but I suppose it's a lot like Amway. You know, if you do this, you're going to get this. So as a, as a person of faith, quote unquote, uh, believing in Mike Murdoch, uh, which is not where your faith is supposed to be, by the way, but if I'm believing in Mike Murdoch as a person of faith, then I'm taking his word that every time I sow a seed, at some point I'm going to get something back. So when I don't get something back, i got to sow more seed. And it's almost like the Amway guy that goes out every night and works you know, 16 hours a day trying to get more, 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 going to these conventions, being promised more money, more wealth, more prosperity. You just got to do a little bit more, keep going. So I imagine sometimes there's a mental and I guess a spiritual investment in these people. So it, if you produce a book like Thieves and you say, hey, Mike Murdoch was doing this, this, and this, and he was gloating and bragging about taking people for thousands upon thousands of dollars, and as your book states, right down to their jewelry, then I suppose if I had an investment in that, then I would attack you and say, hey, Trey, you know, you're, you're way off. Because uh, my faith is in Mike Murdoch, not necessarily God, but, but Mike Murdoch. I guess Mike Murdoch in that case is God when you think about it. But uh, pretty pretty deep stuff, isn't it? Yeah, you're you're dealing. You know, it the, the book does deal with uh, you know folks that really do have a lot of money. And oh yes, Bruce, you they've got a vestment, and um, you know, seeing this go away, and they're yeah. I you know I can own I, I can feel their tension yeah. uh, as it uh, you know as it as it takes a small step forward here and a small step forward there, and especially when reviews pop up of the book that are. Uh, that are positive, yeah, I'm sure that they cringe about that. Hmm. And um, so, okay, know, and we and we want to focus on God in a nutshell project. But before we do that, uh, we've covered some new ground today, which is excellent. So, if people in Nashua want to actually hear more about thieves, they can go to brucecollinsshow.com. And there's an, another interview there with Trey. But also get the book. Go to godinanutshellproject.com. Is that right? Yeah, I have, okay. you know, Bruce, and yes, that is correct. Okay. Uh, go to godinanutshell.com or just type my name into the Internet, Trey Smith Thieves. Okay. Those three words will bring up lots of results. Great. So pick up the book, listen to the uh, archived interview with Trey Smith on Thieves, and, uh, and also there was an interview where he updated us with a police report. But for the people in Nashua, Trey, today, just to kind of go back and give them uh, a summary of – of what actually happened. How in the world were you able to rob Mike Murdoch of his safe? <laughs> wow. That's a, uh, yeah, the book actually begins with that moment. So you're, you're going through this guy, Mike had, you're dealing with a mansion. The mansion is called Hacienda de Paz. First, you got to know where it is, which it's, you know, if you don't know where it is, it's going to be hard to find. It's out there in the same area where Ross, per, you know, it's, it's in a very wealthy area of Dallas. Hmm. Um, and I had to go through three electronic doors to get to, once you're inside the house, to get to his bedroom, uh, which is where the safe was. It was in a bedroom closet. You've got to go through not one, not two, but three electronic doors. And, uh, this was a closet, you know, filled with, uh, lots of, well, there were four cabinets in there. You've got, uh, one that had, uh, all the, the stamp collection. These are about 
four or five feet tall, maybe six. They're tall cabinets, big cabinets, filled to the brim with whatever they were. So if it was a stamp, when you reach in there, you're you're picking out stuff that would literally cause a stamp guy's hand to tremble, uh, kind of stuff. And and you know handfuls of it enough you could take handfuls of it and it wouldn't even be noticed it was missing. One of them is stamps. The other one was coins. The other one was uh, jewelry, little, uh, I mean, we're talking gaudy stuff that would make a rap star jealous. Uh, and then the last cabinet, of course, was the porn one. And that, uh, yes, it's say pornography. So, and this one had uh, uh, pictures in it, especially the top drawer had uh, lots of photos of, um, uh, of women, some of which uh, were women that uh, had been involved, you know, had been involved uh, with Mike, as I understand it. Um, certainly Jason would pick through those pictures and say, this is so-and-so, this is so-and-so. This lady used to babysit me. This is the secretary for the, you know, for my dad's law firm. This is, you know, I mean, this is, these are things Jason would pick through and say. Uh, one of the, one of the, uh, women that went back and forth in the, uh, in the ministry corps that there were significant amount of, of nude photos of her. And then beneath that, you had videos, a lot of lesbian stuff. So that's what a TV pastor keeps behind, you know. That that that's the uh, that's the big that's the stuff that you've got to protect with three electronic doors at your mansion, um, while you're soliciting uh, impoverished people yeah. out of their last nickels on uh, TV shows that you say are, are wisdom keys. Um, so there, there you have it. Uh, but that's how I did it. I went through three electronic doors. I pulled the safe out, took the safe back to uh, Houston, got it opened. Uh, you know what? I'm going to save back what was actually in the safe. If you want to find out what was in the safe, you need to type my name into the Internet right now and look on there and, and find it out as I'm talking to you. Um, and this set off uh, you know, me running from a TV pastor in Mexico, some dark places. And I grew up a lot during those times. You know, when you're in the desert... And, uh, uh, you know, you got people looking for you. Um, you're scared. Mm -hmm. uh, you're a stupid kid to begin with, because if you're not a stupid kid, you never would have ripped off a TV pastor. And here you are trying to figure out life, and you can't really interact with your family or anything. And you're in a place where most of the people don't speak English. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, Bruce, it was tough. And that's what you're, you know, that's... that's uh, uh, I'm I'm amazed myself when I look at thieves at uh, how much of it you know I just it, to me it's very emotional mm -hmm. um, because it's real yeah it um, it's real again this is a great book thieves and I, I recommend it uh, and you can go to godinanutshell.com to find out information on how to order thieves you can order it on Amazon obviously you can order just about anything on Amazon. But uh, Trey, uh, last question about thieves, and this is sort of an indirect question about thieves, I guess. What do you hope the reader gets out of this book? And then uh, is there anything you would wish Mike Murdoch would, would get out of this story? Well, uh, for Mike Murdoch, uh, it really is a mirror for him to, uh, you know, opposed to screaming poolside one of these nights. Mm -hmm. I know he's read the book. I do know that as a matter of absolute fact at this point, Bruce. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's a mirror. Some parts of this that deal with him are a mirror that he can look at and see who he's really been through someone else's eyes. And uh, that may be a powerful thing to him. I hope that it has an effect on him. Based on my experience with Mike Murdoch, in my opinion, Bruce, he's a pretty two-dimensional guy. So I don't know uh, what will ever happen with him. Mm -hmm. um, it would be a prayer of mine if he if he did, man. The most powerful thing I could possibly see that man do. Because in some ways, I love the guy. Even though I've got a book that, uh, that tells a lot of things about him, I don't hate him. Yeah. I, don't, I mean, he can call me Satan and all this other stuff, which he does. Mm -hmm. But I'm not angry with it. This ain't a chip on my shoulder. These are just real events. Uh, so if a reader gets something out of the book, I'm happy that they did. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's an important story in, in that regard, yeah. but it doesn't in essence have a message 
that's direct, Bruce. It's just a true story. Yeah. Okay, so let's get to God in a nutshell. This is a, a project that is ongoing for you, I believe, and I've seen the videos that you've made, and I know there's a third one on the way, but the first two are excellent, by the way. When did Thanks, you? Man. Oh, you're welcome. And when did you start this project, Trey? Well, I actually these uh, a lot of the stuff that you see in those initial videos, stuff that uh, after the safe rock during these times that I was in the desert and stuff, when I had a little bit of my mind straight, I would ask myself uh, a lot of very deep questions about, you know, who is God, man? Um, and there were times that I was actually out there screaming myself, but I wasn't poolside, and, uh, you know, but I would say, you know, Lord, who, you know, God, are you out there? Is there a God? Is there something real? And uh, And I would fashion this into... Uh, uh, into questions mm -hmm. and into uh, uh, what I thought. And uh, here in the last couple of years, I've cleaned up uh, a lot of a lot of those uh, letters, uh, and I've begun writing uh, new stuff and expounding upon it. So the videos are powerful. In fact, I was amazed myself when I went through. To, it's been. I don't know, I guess two years ago now. But when my mother handed me uh, these letters that I had sent to her over time and reading through some of it, I would just say to myself, wow, that I really think, and all the bad that has happened, and all this ocean of, of ugliness and darkness, and um, here were these, you know, these gems of things that I was just crying out and, you know... Um, and there was no way that I didn't want to present those and give them to people. Because although thieves may not have a message directly, um, God in a nutshell does, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, and it does not do what I grew up with, which is uh, you know, seeing Christians or pastors, this is the way it is, and if you don't believe, just like this cookie-cutter box that we've set out, um, then, you're, you know, then you're probably going to hell. Um, God in a nutshell is more of uh, uh, phrasing questions to people and engaging them to actually look at uh, the Bible, these ancient documents. That's what the Bible is, Bruce. Mm -hmm. It's an ancient set of documents. Every one of us with a copy of a Bible in our homes are actually holding material that people thousands of years ago Right, who didn't have computers or any of that. They wrote this stuff down on papyrus. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't know. I find what our ancestors thought, what they felt, what they perceived to be worthy of our attention. Mm -hmm. And um, so I'm exploring a lot of that in God in a nutshell, and not just the Bible, but other ancient cultures as well, and how these things match up with each other, what it means, if it means anything. Yeah. These are all valid questions. No, no, How do I answer that? You have some sections uh, in God in a Nutshell. I don't know how much of that you want to touch on because obviously you you would want people to check that out because there's actually video tied to it. But could you maybe give us a summary of, of what's going on there? Well, one of them, uh, the, first, the first three videos, the first two that are up, um, the first one is called... Uh, uh, are you really your flesh? And uh, and it's a question about the. Uh, there's some science stuff in there. It's a little bit. Uh, it's a little bit intellectual in its in its presentation. Um, but the human soul. You know, are we just this human body that dies? Uh, is there something? Do we do we? Get, what happens next when we die? Um, this portion of the letter was important for me to put up first because there was uh, a guy in his 80s that I wrote up uh, a book for, um, I don't know, about a year ago now. I wrote a memoir for him, and, uh, and it was his life story. And one of the things that he said to me when we completed that is he looked, and this is an 81-year-old man, 82 now. He looks over at me and he said, Trey, you know what? It all seems so important at the time. 
And I thought to myself, wow, that really is, uh, that really is true. So is it just about the flesh? Or is there some part of us, is there some part of us, the real us maybe, that goes on? And that's what that first video covers. And, uh, um, and I think it covers it well. The second video is um, uh, about what we do. And uh, and the music to it is so beautiful. The second one, I love the you know the the, the music to the background to that uh, is incredible, mm-hmm. and I'm so thankful uh, that at this point there have been folks that have now come and are offering to uh, use their music for the third one. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll look at some of that. Look at both of them. Uh, respond. Tell me what you think. And people can find them at godinanutshell.com also, right? That's as simple as it is, man. How much easier of a title can you get than that? Hey, before we go, and I don't know how much you want to talk about this, but you, you're actually working on another book, and I believe it's somewhat nonfiction, but it's sort of based on some things you've, some some information you've acquired or things you've experienced, Correct. Well, yeah, I, well, I think all authors do that. Sure. Um, that are, you know, it's based on stuff. But, uh, uh, you know, I, even as you read in Thieves, I spent some time in a little town called Taos, New Mexico. In fact, I spent a lot more time on it than you, than you read in Thieves. Um, but, uh, yeah, this book that's coming out next is called Taos. It's nonfiction. It's just, uh, you know, it's just a fun book. And I... You know, I'll be interested to see how people respond to it. I will note this as a warning on Taos. Uh, it's a dark book. It was uh, written during some pretty rough times in my life, so I would turn all of these angers that I had and feelings and very extreme emotions into into characters. And uh, so it's an intense book. It's an it, it's kind of intense, and in fact, the the guy that's editing it right now, he said uh, he said this may be the most twisted thing I've ever read. But then he commented that he loved it. Um, so those that are Christian or um, uh, don't like something that has language in it, or um, it, it's got it's jam packed with uh, pretty heavy stuff. Well. Again, the the website is godinanutshell.com, and that's where people can find the book Thieves and also your project, God in a Nutshell. Hey, Trey, this has been awesome, and uh, you know we'll have you back in a little while, but uh, thank you so much for joining us this week. First, I'm so thankful to you uh, to, talk to, uh, to talk to you tonight on the radio and everybody listening. God bless every single person that's listening to Bruce Collins' show. Great. Thanks, Trey. But you can give them to the birds and bees. I want money. interview I was thinking about it and I've been interviewing this next guest for over five years now which was pretty much the (laughs) beginning of my radio career besides being a book reviewer on on Monster Radio and uh, don't tell George Norrie but I got Lynn Marzulli's name off of the Coast to Coast AM website in 2006. Uh, anyway, as if you haven't guessed, my uh, guest my guest is Lynn Marzuli, and he's been on the show many times. You can go into our past archives at brucecollinsshow.com and find many interviews with Lynn. Uh, Lynn's blog is lamarzuli.wordpress.com, and his website is lamarzuli.net. I encourage you to look at those things this weekend. And uh, welcome, Lynn. Welcome to the program. Hey, great to be here again, Bruce. Thanks for having me back on. It's always great to have you on, Lynn. And uh, I know when I first interviewed you, you had three books. Now you have five books, another one that's uh, that you're working on, and now you've branched out into DVDs. So tell the audience, what are these DVDs watchers? Well, the reason why we went to the Watchers series, and I teamed up with my good friend and, and co-producer Richard Shaw, 
Uh, we've done two. One is called UFOs are Real Burgeoning and Not Going Away. The other one is Watchers 2, Signs in the Heavens and Earth. And I did this because I realized after being on the Ancient Aliens program on the History Channel mm -hmm. that um, these people had an axe to grind. Uh, they had a worldview, which is fine. It's their dime, and I understand that. But here's the deal. When, when you interview me for three hours and I'm on the show for a minute, um, and I'm made to look like I'm saying exactly what I don't believe, mm -hmm. frankly, I take umbrage in that. And so instead of getting angry, we got even and on a very pretty much of, of a no budget. These are because of my musical ability and because of Richard's editing ability. Um, we're doing these things on a shoestring budget and we're selling them after after. Of course, we make DVDs and we sell them on the net and stuff. We've got six or seven different ministries now that are buying these wholesale and distributing them into their people. So it's it's starting to pick up a little bit. But the, the impetus behind it was sort of like, wow, the History Channel, the Discovery Channel, these guys are just a bunch of weasels. They're going to, you know, film and, and make it and edit it what they want. We have to say what we want to say. And so that's what we did. And uh, we, we've done that. Um, what's interesting about Watchers 1, or I should say UFOs are real burgeoning and not going where there's some fantastic people um, that come in on the record on this. Dr. Roger Lear um, and the alien implants. We talk about uh, lights in the sky. What factual proof are there about UFOs? Can you give us examples of um, the whole UFO technology and what's going on? Are people interacting with them? And we bring... Lots of different uh, shots of these things. It's not like, obviously, you could talk for hours about the subject. We don't really get into Nephilim. We don't get into um, what is behind the phenomenon. All we're trying to say is like, look, people need to wake up. Something is going on. Something is manifesting and does so with impunities in the skies all over the world. And some of the governments have come clean. Some of the governments have not come clean. Of course, our government is, is at, the, at the head of that line, of that latter line. Mm -hmm. But England and, and France and Belgium and Germany and um, uh, Japan, Mexico, and other countries have released what were at one time classified, top secret classified documents talking about the so-called extraterrestrial presence. When we look at the Ancient Alien show, which is on the History Channel, that's now going to season three, they are promulgating that worldview. When we look at the movies and, and books and television shows, which are coming out, all talking about E.T., the extraterrestrial, um, that we were somehow seated here from another galaxy by a race of extraterrestrials, that is literally what I call the coming great deception. Watchers 2, on the other hand, signs in the, in the heavens and earth, talks about the wars and rumors of wars, famines and pestilence, earthquakes in diverse places and troublesome times that were written 2,000 years ago in ancient prophetic texts. And we believe that it's not business as usual, that these, these earthquakes and these floods and famines and everything else that we're seeing uh, are, are through the roof. They are unprecedented. Mm -hmm. And so Watchers 2 is, is like 58 minutes long. Watchers 1 is 57 minutes long. They are both riveting DVDs, I guarantee. Watchers 2, you'll sit down and watch it two or three times maybe because it's there's so much information in, in Watchers 2. It's, it's just you can't digest it all. Um, it's very fast-paced, very quick-moving. Richard Shaw, uh, my friend and co-producer, did a great job on the editing uh, of Watchers 2. So we're really excited about that. And right now, of course, we're working on Watchers 3, which is called Fingerprints of the Supernatural. And I was going to ask you about that. What's the direction for Watchers 3? Well, we have uh, Deborah Sontag who came in, and she's got some fascinating photographs of what appeared to be something out in the universe that perhaps shouldn't be there. Um, is NASA and the, uh, and the people that look at this stuff lying to us, or is she misinformed? Stan Day will be coming in sort of talking about that. Uh, Professor Robert Herrlich will be discussing the Torah codes and specifically uh, why we can trust the Torah and the text that is there. Um, it, we can trust its integrity, uh, that the fact that the, the Torah cone has remained intact for thousands of years, contrary to some other biblical scholars who try to tell us that you can't trust the Torah code. The, the, the criteria for the scribes, and most people know this, but who, who, if your listeners might not, so I'll just say it real quickly. If you made one mistake on the parchment while you were copying, that, that mistake, that parchment was destroyed, it was burned. Mm -hmm. that, that's how stringent they were. And so we believe that the text is uh, integrous, and of course, Robert Harrick, Professor Harrick, when he sits down with me on the interview, is just riveting um, where he goes. When we're, we're going to be in Denver next week, uh, 25th, 26th, 27th, 
and we'll be interviewing uh, Barry Schwartz, who was one of the, the original photographer of the Skirp team. That was the team that went over and spent, I think, a week, 24 hours for like seven days, whatever it was, um, uh, reviewing and looking and, and photographing and doing science tests on the most enigmatic artifact on the planet. And, of course, I'm speaking of the Shroud of Turin. Mm-hmm. And we'll be speaking with Barry Schwartz, interviewing him, because, you know, what 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 can be more of a greater fingerprint of the supernatural than, of course, the Shroud of Turin? And we will be discussing that with him. And then, of course, we'll be picking up and interviewing Stan Dale about uh, the signs that we are seeing in the heavens, specifically Comet LNN, um, uh, Planet Nibiru, what is going on. There's so much chatter out there, and we're going to bring Stan Dale in. Uh, after that, the day we get back, we kind of rest. And actually, we don't. The day we get back, the following day, we go down and interview Bill Salas, specifically regarding the Arab Spring. Is there Are there supernatural forces that uh, is erupting the Arab Spring, those nations in the Middle East, mm-hmm. which are com- in complete upheaval? Is this, again, are we looking at uh, forces that are unseen? that are creating some of this unrest over there. So that's a little bit about fingerprints of the supernatural. Hmm. That sounds excellent. Now, Lynn, um, I didn't get to watch much of the Ancient Aliens programs. I know Chad has commented about them. He's seen many of them. Uh, But just from the postings of other people on my Facebook uh, page Uh and and things like that, apparently they were – uh, liberally interpreting the Bible, weren't they? Someone very much so. Someone told me that they proposed that Jonah was swallowed by a submersible craft or something like that. Yeah, they they really twist everything. They have an axe to grind, mm-hmm. and and that axe is um. We were all uh, ancient astronaut theory. Et um, created us. Et started our world civilizations and uh, genetically manipulated man to what he is today, or, or modern man uh, started the civilizations, religions, and now they're back at this critical juncture mm-hmm. in human history to usher us into a time of peace, knowledge, and prosperity. And that's what these guys believe. I mean, they're all part of the exopolitic crowd, which is why I just got tired of dealing with it. I mean, they're not interested in any other point of view mm-hmm. except their point of view, which is fine. Um, on, on my radio show, and I know on your radio show, we have people with uh, different worldviews and different points of views, and we welcome that. Uh, iron sharpens iron. Discussing different uh, positions, different views, shouldn't be a threat to any of us. Um, mm-hmm. We might we might agree to disagree, right. but nonetheless, you know, let's let's look at what the evidence is and try to track some of the stuff down. But they have an axe to grind, yeah, and and that's 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 why I just won't want anything anything more to do with it. Did they propose who Jesus was? Um, not yet. I don't. I don't think that they've. Um, I don't think that they've actually um, gone that far yet. Mm-hmm. But they allude to in in season one. Certainly, they'll take medieval paintings. In fact, what's interesting is if you look at the air dates, mm-hmm. um, they redid my segment on that, and they brought in mm-hmm. one of their guys to talk about the art, the paintings. And everything that he said is absolutely 100% fallacious. Mm-hmm. And I will go toe-to-toe with him on that. Um, he's saying what they want to say what, or what they want to hear. And no one did the research. I did the research on those paintings from medieval art. And I said, it's not what you think it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, the painting that, One of the paintings that they showed uh, was a what appears to be a disc. And from that disc is light that is coming down. Um, and it's hitting Mary. It's, it's coming through the wall and hitting a, a very white-looking medieval Mary that's kneeling and praying. Of course, remember, this, um, you know, go back to the Middle Ages, 14th century, 13th century, 15th century, whatever. And you, you, the artist had one frame to somehow convey to the viewer a supernatural experience. And so he's using imagery. He's using the, the what appears to be a disc with rays coming out of it. Well, that's what people look at is a copy of 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 a copy. It's been so downgraded and so pixelated that it's very difficult to see any detail. When you go back to the original, what I did, what he was trying to show is the heavens were being opened because it's not a disc. It's the clouds. And guess who's peering over the clouds? A bunch of angels. So, see, he's, he's, he's relating to the story exactly. Right. But, see, these guys take this, and then it's on the History Channel, and everybody believes that. And, frankly, I take umbrage with that because 
<clears throat> that I already I addressed that, and you'll notice that there's a skip in season one between airtime. It's about a, a two-week skip because they couldn't go with that. Oh, what are we going to do here? It's L.A. Marzulli, and he's not saying what we want to hear. Mm-hmm. And so they bring in some other guy who tells them, but see, that holds up the whole production schedule. Now, I can't prove that, but I do know for a fact that there was a gap uh, in – in the, in the programming, and the and the one that they followed up with was one that I addressed some of those objects of art, some of those medieval paintings, and told what they were. And I was very, I did my research. They gave me this, you know, what about this? And I'll t- I'll say exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. And I went back and 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 did you know spent like a several days looking at looking at the originals and talking to different people about it and studying what the artists were trying to convey. And it had nothing to do with UFOs. Absolutely zippo. Zippo. Hmm. But see, these people don't understand medieval uh, iconographic images and how the artist is trying to use, like when you show a what looks like an object, like the sun and the moon, and there's men in them. Right. That's that's that is they're 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 sort of um, uh, taking and giving the sun and the moon human characteristics. It was very hmm. common to do that in art back back in the Middle Ages. But if you don't know that, you can say, ah, oh, they're flying around in some craft. Aha! Yeah. And that's see, that's what they do. And so it's very misleading, which is why – but all that led to Watchers 1 and Watchers 2 and now Watchers 3. <laughs> so something good came out of it. Heck yeah. Yeah. Now, Lynn, uh, what about UFO and alien encounters? Because uh, if I wanted to go some, to someone in the Christian community, it would be you. Uh, I know you've got your hand on the pulse of this. So is this a busy time right now in terms of UFO and alien encounters or – are things a bit quiet right now? No, I, I get calls every week, hmm. um, emails every week from people all over the world, mm-hmm. sightings, cattle mutilations, abductions, uh, encounters, all sorts of stuff. Um, I recently had, an, had, a, had a very disturbing uh, phone call from a person in another state telling me about her nine-year-old child, which apparently said he was abducted by aliens. And, you know, she humored him and he said, well, mom, I was, you know, I was, they had me face down on a metallic table. They put something in my back. And she said, well, there's nothing there, honey. And she lifted up his shirt, and lo and behold, um, there's a marking there. Hmm. And the marking is about the size of a quarter, and it's a symbol. It's not a marking. It looks more like a symbol. Hmm. And about two or three days later, a red welt um, um, appeared next to the symbol. A week now has gone by, and he's experiencing nausea, and some of his hair has fallen out, all classic signs of the abduction phenomena. So I prayed with him. Pray with his mother, talk to his father, pray with him. They're Christians. They go to a church, spoke to the pastor, um, told him what he might be up against. And, um, you know, this is what we deal with constantly. Some people will uh, get saved and renounce what they're into. Other people believe that they are, and this is, this is how deceptive it is, mm-hmm. they'll believe that these entities that are appearing to them have a special mission for them. And, and that's what they go by. It's very difficult. Once people latch on to the special mission, they are chosen with a special mission. Very difficult to bring them out of that deception. But nonetheless, they are being deceived by demonic entities, and this is what we're looking at. What's the loss of hair from? Is that radiation? or Possibly radiation, yes. Mm. Wow. For someone listening in Nashua, they, they may wonder what we're talking about and we're obviously talking about a a supernatural being it's evil um where are these ufos coming from are they around us i've had guests who suggested they're around us we just can't see them they weren't looking at it as supernatural they think there's a cloaking device but is this a supernatural craft as it were that can appear and disappear how how where do you think these craft are coming from well, I address this in the up and coming book called The Cosmic Chess Match. I don't I don't do it as, as exhaustive in an exhaustive way the way I did it in politics, prophecy and the supernatural. Mm-hmm. Um but I believe that these craft are coming from another dimension. They are interdimensional. Mm-hmm. That other dimension in ancient ancient uh uh, manuscripts, prophetic texts would call it the second heaven. That's how they would label it. Yeah. And so they're coming from this other dimension, the second heaven. It's the same place, and I, I make a real strong case for this, Bruce. My, the new book will be released in September. You'll have to have me back on when we talk about that stuff. Definitely. But the bottom line is um, 
you know, Edgar Casey and Blossom Goodchild and, and where these spirits are chan- people that channel information, yeah, it's coming from somewhere. Where is it coming from? What's the litmus test we use to determine whether it's malevolent or benevolent, um, you know, evil or good? What, you know, how do we discern that? How do we ascertain? Uh, and, and, and are we told in the guidebook of the supernatural, are we warned specifically to stay away from this type of necromancy, familiar spirits, um, uh, channeling, uh, talking with the dead? Um, you know, all this kind of stuff. And uh, this is essentially what we're looking at uh, in some of what with the, the UFO phenomenon, in my opinion. Um, it is supernatural. It is not, in my opinion, extraterrestrial. It is interdimensional. Um, and these beings are highly intelligent and also uh, uh, highly malevolent. I mean, they just don't care about human beings at all. Um, a perfect a classic example of that is the, the conversation that I had this week with that family. And this nine-year-old boy was abducted. That's kidnapping. You know, that's abuse. That's torture on some level. They implanted something against the child's will. They took him against his will, against his parents' will. Hello. And the father was like real cavalier about, oh, well, you know, I don't know. That kind of an attitude. It's like, what? Doesn't, aren't you irate? Aren't you just absolutely livid that your child was taken from your home? What can I tell you? Well, you know, what makes it compelling, too, is it's not just uh, Christians. In fact, the Christians may be in the minority that are talking about this, but you and I interviewed on our respective shows Bill and Mashara Hassung, who had a DVD mm-hmm. called Adventures of an Earthling. Fascinating movie. Fascinating. And And this is a good indication of why these things show up. Here's a town that was heavily steeped in uh, New Age and occultic uh, groups and uh, just a lot of um, almost like hippie type of uh, environment in New York. But uh, they were, you know, there were many New Age groups that were uh, using Ouija boards. By Bill's own admission, his mother used a Ouija board and and they talked to, quote unquote, dead spirits, which were really demonic. Uh, And these UFOs started showing up. So for the audience in Nashua, this is a good indication of why these things show up, correct? Well, yeah. I mean, there's always there's always a gate or some sort of a portal um, that's opening. Um, a, a perfect example of this, with all due respect to the guys at East City Ranch uh, up in Washington by um, – Mount Adams, I think it is. Mm-hmm. There's stuff that shows up there almost on a nightly basis. I mean, yeah. they've had all sorts of phone crews. He's opened up a portal. He's even talked about it. Uh, he's done the work. And what that work is, is he's opening up gates and portals. He's giving them legal permission to manifest. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you could shut that down very quickly by going up and and doing work the other way and uh, and closing that portal. You see, he doesn't know what he's dealing with. Yeah. Um, how do I know this? Because he looks at Jay-Z Knight and she goes, and he goes, yeah, that Ramtha, he's the real deal. Hmm. Well, you see, you're, you're deluded, my friend, with all due respect, Mr. Gillian. And if you're hearing this, I'd love to talk to you about it one-on-one. But you are severely deluded because Ramtha is nothing more than a channeled entity. Um, and, and Ramtha that, that comes through Jay-Z Knight is a disembodied spirit we would call a demon. Mm-hmm. And yet, it can sound like it has wisdom because it's a lot older than we are and it's been around the earth a lot longer. But it's an earthbound spirit. It is more likely not a fallen angel. It is more, more than likely a demonic entity which is coming through. Uh, and using Jay-Z Knight as sort of like a walk-in. I, I think you probably know this gentleman. I'm not sure if you've ever interviewed him or he's interviewed you, but there's a gentleman by the name of Brooks Agnew, and he has a New Age philosophy, and he was invited up to that ranch. Uh, and it's interesting, most of the guests that go up there seem to be involved in the New Age. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, he talked about these friendly you know, beings from other planets who just want to connect with us and and all of that. And when he actually saw the UFO, I asked him, you know, what what was the first thing you felt when that UFO started to descend on your group? And he said one word, terror. Wow. That tells you everything. Tells you everything right there. Yeah. 
Yeah. Now let's remind the listeners your your blog is lamarzuli.wordpress.com. That's correct. And the website is lamarzuli.net. He's got That's some right. great books there. And don't forget the Watchers and Watchers Two DVDs and Watchers Three is on the way. Lynn, you're you're welcome as a guest anytime, and thank you so much for being with us this week. Pleasure was all mine. Thanks for having me on, Bruce. Great. Thank, thank you. What's going on? Thank you so much for listening to the Bruce Collins Show. We'll be back next Saturday and Sunday. For past archives, you can go to brucecollinsshow.com or subscribe to the Bruce Collins Show on iTunes.